Let's go. We see that hype outside. Right from the house. And we're live. Welcome back to Masculine Moguls. It's your boy, the one with the Scarface. Your boy, Scarface. And today I got Weicho. What up? And today we have a special guest, Belinda. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm glad. I'm good. I'm glad you made the time to come out here and talk with us just because I know you have a, a story that, you know, it's it's pretty tragic and, you know, and just so other people can see what, what goes on, uh, especially with the whole... Uh, I mean, we'll get into it. Uh, you know, I don't want to spoil anything. So, uh, we have Belinda. We I've known you for a little while now. You're are you originally from Rexburg? Yeah, born and raised in Rexburg all my life. So I've never moved out of Idaho. <laughs> you never been out of Idaho? No, I mean maybe just to California, Mexico, just to travel. But just to I, travel. I just been here all my life. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I wanted you to come on because uh, there's a specific story that I want people to to hear. He was uh, your husband at the time, right? Mm-hmm. So how long were you guys married? First we were all? married for nine years. Nine years. Mm-hmm. You guys lived in Rexburg. Um, you know, how many kids do you guys have? So we have four all together. Four kids And together. then he had one from a previous relationship, and then I had one, so we had six all together. Okay. So, I mean, you guys were, I'm, I'm assuming, you're pretty happy, like, just mm-hmm. trying to, you know, working. Uh, I know in the article it said that, you know, he, he paid taxes, just working, just regular, trying to live the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. And then we got to a point where Trump wanted to deport people. Yes. So... What happened there? Did he end up, uh, I, I know it got mentioned to me, did they just go and pick him up? Like, what happened? How, how, how did he get deported? At that? Okay, so what happened in the beginning was that he wanted to fix papers, and we wanted to do it the right way. And so for the like maybe the first, I want to say the three years, we paid over $10,000 to immigration lawyers to fix to, to, to do it right, to do it the right way, to get the visa, to go all through all that bread tape that you need to pay for every single application. We did that for the first three or four years of our marriage. And and then finally, when he had an interview in Boise, the interview where you have to make sure that you're not lying, that your relationship is real. And we had to present ourselves, and we went thinking nothing was going to happen. And they, as soon as we walked through those stores at the... What is it called? The the secu- land of security. It's the office where you go. Oh, the homeland security. The homeland. Office? Yeah, you okay. go there to get your interview, and as soon as you cross there, as soon as they hear you, like, um, I think we had your fingerprints. Um, as soon as they fingerprinted his his background check, come up and it said that he had a deportation from 1992, and so we didn't know. We didn't, I didn't think anything of it, but I knew he had it. But I guess it's like when you have a tattoo and you get a tattoo, it's, it'll never go away. And that deportation, no matter if you did, if you voluntarily back then, because back then you could deport, you could, uh, you know, go to get deported, sign a paper saying that you can't cross again for five years. And that's what he believed and that's what they told him. And so he came, he left and came back. And when we went to that appointment, um, that's what they said. They said that... Um, like that deportation, it could happen like a few hours ago, and they can they can use that against you. Mm-hmm. So that's what they did. Like if it happened a few hours ago, they can use that against you because it's still a deportation. They took him. Um, I still went through the interview by myself. They took him and they put him in the um, uh, mountain home because that's the only immigration um, jail that they have there at that time. Mm-hmm. And so they took him there, and he was there for a few 
months. Um, they, he didn't sign anything. Because if you sign something, you're going to get deported right away. So yeah. he didn't sign anything. And we went to a lawyer at that time. We went to a lawyer, and I told him what happened. He's like, that shouldn't happen, this and that. That's what that lawyer said. Then we went to a different lawyer, and they said that we shouldn't have went in the first place to that appointment. And so we're like, we're, you know, we're already where we're at. And so when, this is when Obama's president. Mm-hmm. And so when Obama was still president, it was up to, it was like up to the immigration officer, their discretion, what they wanted to do in that situation. Well, he never had any traffic tickets, parking tickets, nothing, nothing, no criminal record, nothing. He had nothing. And so he was there for a couple months. And then finally, um, so I don't know what happened because it wasn't our lawyer that fixed it, but um, he calls me. He's like, hey, I'm gonna, they're going to let me out. Can you cut? And it was, a, it was the week of his birthday. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I'll come get you. But I didn't tell him. At that time, his mom travels back and forth. She um, has visa. And he has two brothers that are citizens. And um, at that time, when he told me to come get him, I told one of his brothers, like, I'm going to go get your brother, but really don't say anything. It's going to be a surprise. And so then at that time, I was pregnant with my third child. And um, so the day that they took him, <laughs> I was in a mess because I had to drive myself back from Boise, pregnant with the other two little ones, and just to come back and tell the family, you know what, they arrest, they took him. Mm-hmm. So then when I finally was able to go get him, um, they, they were surprised because I walked in first, and then his mom was right there, and... And then everybody's like looking at me, and then I, right behind me, he was right there, and everybody started crying because he was home for his like a day before his birthday. Oh, okay. So then we were celebrating and stuff, and so then the deal was for him to get out was that he had to come, he had to check with an immigration officer once a month, mm-hmm. but they wanted him to do it in Boise, but we're like, no, we're not from here. So then they're like, we have officers here in Adolf Falls. And so we're like, okay, so then once a month for the first two years after, like I think it's our seventh year, being married, they um, he had to come every once the first Tuesday of the month to check in with an uh, immigration officer. And what they did was, and it's funny because you wouldn't you would think you were the only one, but when we would come here every single first of the month Tuesday, there was a whole line of Mexicanos <laughs> checking in to come and check in with an immigration officer, like a whole line. So we were like maybe the 10th, because we, we want to get here early so, early so you can leave early. And I was surprised when we would come that like, some of them would bring their kids, stand in line, some would miss work just to be here to check in. Because if you didn't, they have they, they have all the right to come get you because they have your address, they have everything. So you don't, if you miss an appointment, they have the right to come get you. What are the check-ins? Just, hey, I'm still working on it? No, or? it was that piece of paper. Um, we give it to him. He would do a background check, make sure there was no violations, no tickets, nothing. He would sign it. The immigration officer would sign it, give it back, and it would show us the next date when we would have to come back. Mm. So just to check in to make sure you're doing good mm-hmm. pretty much. Because if month. you had a ticket or something, then they would just yeah. send you. Mm-hmm. And during this whole time, were you guys trying to still get his papers uh we were still trying to do one more thing because he knew that any of those check check times every month that we knew that they could take him. Mm-hmm. And so we were still, we went to one more lawyer and that's what she said that it was a girl lawyer. And she said that no matter how much we tried, that he would still have to go, like he still has to go back to Mexico, do the 10 years because it's 10 years because I for 10 years for being here. Dang. And so in, um, 
And well, I don't mean to interrupt, but I find that crazy. No criminal record, no nothing, but we still have to punish you like mm-hmm. ten years instead of being like, hey, like let's let's fix this. He he's a good citizen, law abiding citizen, or uh, like um, immigrant, and instead of like. Oh, go back and let's punish you. Like, okay, we're gonna make taxes off of him. Like, he's gonna pay taxes. We'll put him in, into the system. Like, mm-hmm. I, I find that like, why wouldn't you make it easier? Uh, especially if there's no criminal record. Uh huh. And so like, he's been paying taxes since he got his daughter, and he got his daughter when she was five years old. And I think I met them when she was six. And so from that time when he had her, he's been paying taxes the whole time. And then we were paying taxes when we were married. So. So how how long did you would you say that you guys were checking in? So we checked in for two straight years, once a month, a merry month, and then that changed, and um, and then it changed to once a year. The last year mm-hmm. was okay. You can come back in a year, and this is the date you're gonna have to come back. So when we came back, actually the offices were on 17th Street, and then when we came on the last year, they changed offices. Now they're over across town by. I don't even know what street. I just know where it is yeah. to get there. But they change it from 17th Street clear across the other side of town. And so we show up to our appointment. And it's funny because I think he knew that that was the year that they were going to take him because he was getting everything ready for me because I think he knew that. He had a feeling that, <laughs> that they were about to take him. Yeah. So then that whole summer he worked how to get – sorry. No, you're fine. You're fine. Trying to get stuff done for us, for me, so it wouldn't be so hard for me. And then, so we went to the appointment, and that was in August. The appointment was in August, the first Tuesday of August. And we go to the, we take all the kids. We took all our four little ones, my daughter, and um, we all went. And um, so when we go, we're sitting there, and you can see the immigration officers. There's, at that time, there was only two, one when we showed up, there was one, and they were behind the glass, and I got a bad feeling, and he got the feeling, because I looked over, and he's like, I think today's the day they're going to deport me, they're going to take me, and I said, yeah, because I have the same feeling, and so then we see a van pull up, and then I knew for sure, yeah. and then three more officers, so it was like three, it was four officers together that showed up, and the guy, one of the guys was really rude. I'm not going to say he wasn't, but he was. He yeah. was rude. He's like, started yelling. I was like, you know what you did wrong? You're not supposed to be here. And at this time, my daughter was recording. Mm-hmm. So she recorded the whole thing there. So she still, till this day, she still has that recording. The day that they were yelling at him and just when we, what we were doing in there waiting and while they were telling him, you know what you did? You're not supposed to be here. You should have done it the right way and just, just yelling at him. And we're like, you don't have to be mean. Like, yeah, you don't have to like be rude. You know, causing a problem. Yeah. Like, I can see the yelling if he was giving him a hard time. Uh-uh. But if he's not giving him a hard time, you have no reason to yell at him. And especially, I'm pretty sure he was being compliant. Like, mm-hmm. they told him, hey, like, don't move. You know, he does move, you know. And so then he's like, the officer said, um, you need to say bye to your family. He's like, you need to say bye, bye to them right now. And we're like, okay and so we just that was the last time I was able to give him a hug and he, the kids gave him a hug and stuff and the kids didn't know what, what was going on and they, he said bye to us and they, they took him and handcuffed him and then took him and then they took him to Rigby because that's where the other immigration jail is mm-hmm. here so. and how long was he did he stay in Rigby and then that's when they deported yeah, him yeah so they, he was there for a couple months and then they finally deported then they finally took him and um, 
And so the whole time when they took him, I didn't know where he was at because he couldn't call. He and couldn't call? Like, yeah, I didn't know where. He, he just would tell me. Um, I think the one time that he called, I think he was in, I want to say he was in Twin Falls at the jail. And then after that, I didn't know where he was until he crossed me. He called, and then that's when he called me. That they he was they in didn't even let him get a phone call to no, call? No, because he can't say where he's going. Um. Just, just in case you want to like just in case you're trying to <laughs> break him out. Like, yeah. yeah. So you said he, he stayed two months in jail uh, until they finally deported mm -hmm. him. Um, did he want to come back right away or was he like, hey, like, let me. Uh, no, because we were still trying to figure it out the right way, what to do, like what, what our chances were. Even with the last immigration lawyer, the girl said that, like I said, it's a tattoo, like a deportation is like a tattoo will never go away. And that um, he would have to do the 10 years. And she looked at our case and he's like, well, you should be, I think you should be able to come home easy because um, you, has, you have a son, that my son, my older son out of the boys, he has a hearing loss. So he has to wear hearing aids since he was three years old. He was born like that. Mm -hmm. And then she said that using that, knowing that we need him over here, that we were be, that we should be able to bring him home fast. But it still wasn't a guarantee, she said. Yeah. So no matter how much we tried, there was still not a guarantee. So I have a question back to where they originally picked them up. Did they give you a reason why that day was the day that they were going to arrest them? The day that we went to our interview? No, uh... You know how you had to be oh, yeah on that last one where because they okay up. because at that time Trump was president, so and Trump was, they passed that the, the law that yeah. no matter if you had an yeah. if you had an immigration immigrant that they had the right to oh. to arrest him and deport him right away. Was that during the time where they also had the right to profile you? Yeah, like in mm -hmm. cars and mm -hmm. stuff. So if they saw yeah, they were taking everybody no matter if you had no record or yeah not. record or anything just to check just to see if you're an illegal immigrant uh -huh. and like. So even the lawyer, the girl, or she even said like it's under. She's like you can have a immigration officer with a good heart, and he'll see his record that he has no record. He will probably keep him here, knowing that he's never gotten all these twenty years of his life that he's been here that he probably won't get deported. You know that he could be one of those lucky ones that get to stay, but it just depended on their discretion. And that day when I when he, that guy started yelling. I knew that there was no way they were going to let him stay because they were following Trump's orders at that time. Was it that same uh, immigration officer or was it somebody else that was yelling at him? Um, no, it was different. It was different immigration officers because every time we came to check in, it was always a different one. Sometimes we would get the same, but it was mostly a lot of different. Who depended who was working that day. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because he brought that up the other day and I remember that time, which as... I mean, I'm, an, I'm a citizen just because I was born here. You know, I was lucky enough to be born here. I have my papers. I don't have to go through stuff like this. But even the fact that they had the right to profile you, like that's, oh, there's a Mexican right there. Let me pull him over to make sure he has papers. Like, And you can be the perfect person. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And like you're still getting profiled. Like people don't understand that that. It, I wouldn't say necessarily. It, it, it makes us feel like less. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you checking me? You know what I mean? Like, but all these, uh, like the Americans, the white, the Caucasian, they don't get profiled and they don't have people being racist towards them. So they don't understand how it feels like when you get profiled or just uh, uh, the other day we had Rod and his neighbors uh, racist and 
he so he installed cameras and he's like instead of, instead of being like oh whatever i'm just gonna deal with him because he's my neighbor this guy goes out of his way to be racist to rod you know and the camera you can uh, we saw the video mm. he's like point the cameras in your direction you fucking spick and flips off the camera like we saw it on video you know like why would you like rod is a super cool guy mm. Like he 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 tries to befriend everybody, you know, and like be friends with everybody. Like he's a cool guy to talk to, but and he's never done nothing to his neighbor. But all of a sudden, like he has this hate for him, you know, like why? Mm-hmm. But uh, bring him. So he gets deported, right? Mm-hmm. He's in Mexico. How, how long is he in Mexico? And what part of Mexico was he? Was so he? he went to Guadalajara because he has two sisters, three sisters still that live in Mexico that don't have papers. Mm-hmm. Um, his hometown is Jalisco, and it's, uh, I can't remember the name because it's been a long time. Anyway, he lives in Jalisco where he grew up, but he was waiting in Guadalajara for a couple months because his mom was here. His mom visits during the summer and leaves during the winter, so we always have her here during the summer. And so he was waiting in Guadalajara for her because um, he couldn't go all the way home yet until because she has the keys and everything. So he waited a couple months and um, we were we were able to figure out how to talk and to FaceTime every day, like from yeah, like every day since when as soon as he got to Mexico, we were able to talk uh, day and night and FaceTime um, every single day when he was over there, for, and he was over there almost a year. And then he, his mom went home, and then they went to Jalisco, San Martin, de Bolaños, oh. Jalisco. That's where they're from. Okay. And, um, yeah, and then he went home, and he hasn't been over home, his hometown, for 20, more than 20-something years. Because he's been out here. Yeah, because the last time he went home is when his father died. And he went home, and then he came back. Was that when he got deported? Mm-mm. Or was it, he, he just ended up going mm-hmm. and then coming back? Mm-hmm. So... You said he spent about a year mm-hmm. back in his hometown. Uh, was during this time were you guys trying to figure out how to get him here? Was he planning on staying um, and um, and completing this? You know how they, the they pun- yeah the yeah. ten year punishment, or was he like, hey, I need to get back? We were doing we were doing the right thing still. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, we were doing the right thing. Um, his mom told me like maybe a few months ago that. Um, You're fine. Take your time. His mom told me that every night she would, he would say, you know, I'm going to go to Tijuana because it's time for me to go. Because he would see his, bro- his brother in him, the brother lives here. Because he still has, so he has a brother in California and a brother here that have their citizens. The other brothers that are not. He has other siblings here that are not. And... His brother that works with them in excavating, because that's the job that he used to do, um, they would, um, he knew that the brother already started working up again. And so he knew that he needed to be home to come take care of us, because, you know, you're that Mexicano that, you know, that needs to take care of the family, and that's their priority. And so then um, he told his mom one night that, um, he's like, I need to go home. He's like, I need to go home to my family. And she's like, what? I don't want you to, but I know that I can't stop you either. He's like, I know they mean a lot to you, and you know, but I need you to make sure you're safe because, you know, it is a Camino that's it's going to be hard. And, and he would tell me, he was there, he would, he would tell me he was ready to come home. And I said, no, just take your time. Let's figure this out. And because I go, it's going to work out. I know it is and stuff like that. And then... He took it upon himself to, 
he was going to do it the wrong way to come home. Yeah. But but sometimes like people don't understand, you know, being away from your family, especially your kids. You know, you guys have a bunch of kids together mm-hmm. and being away and not being able to not only see them, but also that's how like Hispanics are. They like to take care of their family mm-hmm. and him not feeling like that, like he can or was able to from Mexico. Well, that purpose almost gets taken away from you. Your purpose and like he wa- your family. Yeah. And like he wants it back. And that, that's what people need to understand. Like ripping uh, families apart like this. It, it, it doesn't do any good. Like you're not the, the, the person, you know how the, we have those people who are like, Oh, deport them, deport them. But after they get deported, they keep saying deport them, like deport them. Like, what are these people doing to you? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, it's not going to make them happy, but it's going to ruin someone else's life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you said you were you were telling him that to wait to... Yeah, because he was, like, before we, he got deported that last year, he sent money to Mexico to his sister to put in a, an account. So, he was able... So, when he went, when they deported him, he did have money. So, he was he was good for a while, like, a couple months. Like, the whole time he was there, he was okay because we were prepared and he sent money over. So he was able to take care of himself. He didn't need to go look for a job, but he knew that that money wasn't going to last either. And then mm-hmm. I would send him money um, once in a while, even though I knew he didn't want it or he didn't need it because he still had that money still in his account. But So what was uh, what were your kids, since they didn't know too much what was going on, what what is it that you were telling your kids like where where was their dad at well they get to they were able to facetime they knew the oldest one um the three oldest ones the two older ones that i have they knew and then ebony that she's only 11 that back then she was only nine she was nine um she knew that he was in mexico but they didn't understand why um um, they don't. They still don't. I don't think they still don't understand why. Like with politics, with deportation, with immigration, I don't think they understand completely. They just think. They say they have things like, if if Papi had enough water, would he be here? If Papi had a car, would he meet it? Like they have all these questions. Like they think that if he had all this stuff, that he would still be alive. Like, they talk if he's still there. But they don't think they understand until they grow up older, until they see the articles and the story, like, why they, why their dad actually died and why they're so lucky to be citizens here and not to go through that. Yeah, see, and, and I tell, like I mentioned earlier, I feel that I'm very lucky and fortunate to have, be, have been born here because my parents had to come that, that same way and... They got lucky enough, it, it kind of worked out, but it doesn't work out for everybody. Like, there's fam, like, there's your husband, but there's also thousands of other families who are going through similar issues that they really don't say anything because they can't because they're too afraid to, to say something, or them, them, like, themselves might be also trying to get their papers, mm-hmm. but they, they feel if they, they talk about it or like they, they go public with it. That they're not going to be able to become citizens and stay here. Mm-hmm. And so he he decides to come back. How long ago was this when he decided to come? So it's been two years now. And he decided, I think, between his brothers and him, uh, they knew more of the details. The family here, um, they were just trying to... Um, 
not scare me and not to be worried so they knew more of the details and who I just knew um you know he was gonna come the wrong way and he was gonna go through a coyote because that's how everybody comes yeah and and other than that there was just not only him with the other people and um with a good group and the next thing I know he was in Tijuana um his brother that was in California was able to go see him mm-hmm. and I wanted to go see him and when I knew that he was in Tijuana because he was closer but he didn't want me to go see him because he didn't want the kids to worry like why another parent was gone yeah. for a couple of weeks or a couple of days or whatever. He didn't want mm-hmm. them to worry like, you know, they already lost one parent. You know, what happens if he didn't if I didn't come back or, or something could have happened? Mm-hmm. So he didn't want me to go see him. So I didn't get the chance. And the reason the brother went to go see him because he wanted to see him. Plus, um, he had gifts for us he was able even though the money was still for him to for him he still somehow wanted it he somehow still spent it on us on the kids and us and so the brother had to go get um the stuff that he had made for them especially made in mexico like their waraches some cintos and the two older ones a necklace that has their name in silver and plata and then um ebony uh, that he had special made for her and so he wanted to get those crossed over and then when he was able to cross then he was able to give it to us and and my my he had a gift for me but mine was a surprise he never told me what it was and so then um the brother goes spends a weekend with them in Tijuana and um they were able to talk and see each other and stuff and then I think that was the last time the brother saw him um and then he just and then we were, I guess he was there, Tijuana, waiting to see when it was time for him to go with the grupo mm-hmm. to cross. Was he able to, uh, did you get a chance to talk to him before he left? To Tijuana? or No, just, to, to cross. So the last time I talked to him was April 16th. Um, that was the last time he called me, the last time I got it, his last text message. It was a text? It was a text and a call that oh. morning that he was going to head out. It was April 16th. And how long does it usually take for somebody to cross? Um, they said it takes like three to three to four days. Three to four days. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I'm pretty sure you weren't. I mean, you were worried. Yeah. But you thought he's crossing and and things like that, right? Yeah, because that week when that Monday it was a Monday when he called me, and the last text that I got it was Monday, April sixteenth. Um, that whole week, I was busy with the kids because my three little boys were playing baseball. Mm. So that whole week, they had games, and and everybody's like, and I knew that he was already coming, but I didn't know what was going on. And um, so that whole week, I was like, you know, worried, um, kind of worried, but everybody else was. But we're like, so, you know, they couldn't have their cell phones, mm. of course, and they had to take the battery out of the cell phone. Um, so we're just waiting. And yeah. the whole time, I never had a doubt. Mm-hmm. I never had a doubt. I always had hope. My hope was so high. Like, even his brothers, his family saw that, that they never wanted to bring me bad news because they knew that my hope was so, so high that they didn't want to bring that down for mm-hmm. me. So I think until, so from April 16th until July 7th, and that's the day 
that his brother from California, so from April, when we didn't hear anything from April 16th to July 7th, that whole time the brother, the brothers here was trying to contact with a grupo that's called Ángeles de Desierto. And it's a grupo that they, it's a volunteer group that they um, volunteer their time and go look for bodies in the desert. Um, that day on July 7th, 7th um, the brother lives in California went with that. They asked the brother if they wanted to go because they were going to head out that morning. They're like, yeah. He's like, yes, I'm going to go. So he goes, and that day there was a reporter and a photographer from the New York Times doing a story on Los, on Los Angeles de Desierto, what they do, what's their job. So that day they go out, and they all separate in a group. He was in a different group, and they all separate, and one of the groups, one of the guys from a different group calls them, calls the radio on the other group that he was in. He's like, I think I found his brother. He's like, I need him to come over to identify him. And the brother goes, but he said he couldn't even make it where the body was because as soon as he saw the shoes, he knew. He, as soon as he walked, he didn't have to walk further because he knew as soon as he saw the shoes pointing out, he knew. He's like, yes, that's my brother. He's like, well, I need you to come see. He's like, I can't. So he never got to see the brother. The brother never got to see like I understand that because the last image of his brother, I'm pretty sure it didn't want to be that. You know what I mean? Like, because you always get left with uh, an, an image like of his brother, especially. You know, I know you mm-hmm. have that picture of him. Like that's the image you want mm-hmm. to have in your head, not him. Like uh, so, yeah. So they're like, yeah, that's my brother. Because and the reason he knows that those shoes because Adrian would only wear Jordans. Mm. Like, all his shoes were Jordans, and my brother, of course, Stephen, he works at a foot locker. Yeah. He would always, you know, help, like, help him choose shoes, and his favorite were Jordans. And um, so they find the body, and um, he start, he broke down crying. And there is that, so that day when the New York Times reporter, they did a story on the, in Los Angeles, they actually did the story, part on the, what they do, plus what they found that day. And if you go on the New York Times and it's called the the mission, the mission of what they do in the desert, and you can see pictures. Well, till this day, I haven't read that article and I haven't looked at the pictures no, I, because I, I, I sure. my family told me you don't want to remember him that way. So, and I'm like, what's the pictures out there? Like, they're just, you know, his body and body bag and stuff like that you're like you don't want to know and I'm like okay then so I to this day I still haven't read it and I haven't even looked at the pictures because the pictures in that article of are him of him yeah yeah and I would same thing like uh what they told you I wouldn't look at it just because like I said mentioned earlier you're the last image of him should be you know that picture uh, I know we did that photo shoot and you had that picture that's mm-hmm. the last image you should have in your head mm-hmm. not because that's going to, as soon as you see that, those images aren't going to leave from your head. And that's, you don't want to remember him by that. So I understand why his brother also didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know, there's char- characteristics about everybody. He identified him by, like, yeah, those are his shoes. Like, that's him. Like, I don't need to go over there and look at him. So during this whole time, usually you said it takes about like three or four days. Yeah. Right? What's going on with you, like, by day four? Like five or six, I assume you you start. I like, said things wrong. Yeah, I had it. So April sixteenth. So that one that was the last time. And so then on May sixth, fifth, around 
the 6th, the 5th, the 6th, it was close to my birthday, May 7th. Mm-hmm. They told, the brother wanted me from California, wanted me to go to California, to go to the consulado that's in California. And I can't remember what part of California it is because we had to travel to it. And they wanted me to file, do a filing missing report um, to see what happened, if somebody picked him up or... Um, to see what happened because before, so I didn't tell you this, but before, um, he tried to come already once. Mm-hmm. He got picked up. Oh. And so then they deported him. And so every time you get a deportation like that, it, it records it. And so the consulado even has that. Mm-hmm. And so the consulado, when I told him what was, I was trying, why I was there and doing that, um, what I was doing, they were like, okay, let me hear and call the jails. And I don't know who they were calling, but they were calling, and they're like, yeah, they haven't seen anything, they haven't found anything, but we have here that he tried to come on this date. And I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's him, you yeah. know? And and so then they're like, um, they're like, just, okay, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing of him. We can't do a filing, we can't file a missing report because we don't have nothing to go on. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay. And so then, and so at this time, I didn't know that nobody knows nothing. So at this time, from April until July, the family starts getting, like, kidnapping calls, like, from bad people saying that. And I didn't know this until, like, after the funeral that um, the sister, one of the sisters here got a, um, a call from a kidnapper saying that he they had him and that they needed all this money if we wanted to see him again, this and that. They're like, what? And so then they didn't. They were like almost believing it, but then they weren't because something was fishy about it because yeah. they wouldn't tell him where is he or what exact point, you know. And they're like, yeah. So at this time they're getting those kind of calls. We're not getting anything. I would call the immigration because so the, you have the immigration officers and then you have border patrol yeah. those two don't get along uh-huh. they won't tell you border patrol picks up somebody they won't tell immigration they keep them in jail like they'll jail them but they can't make no phone calls so you don't know if they have them or not mm-hmm. until they release him release them and so yeah so border patrol we i would call every single border patrol i would call different immigration offices to figure out what was going on and nothing so then the whole time we're just waiting, and I'm still having all this hope, like thinking everything is okay. He should call me. He knows my number's memorized. He knows that that's who's going to call. Mm-hmm. Who's going to call first is me. Nothing, nothing until July 7th, that day. I'm, that, it was a Saturday, and I get up that morning, and it's funny because the day before I had a, a I went to the gym and I had a trainer. I was doing a session with my trainer that day. I couldn't do my session because my heart was hurting. Mm-hmm. And the, she's like, what's wrong? She's like, my heart hurts sitting. I don't understand why. I go, I, I've done this with you all every single week, my train, you know, training with you. And I don't know why today I can't. I go, it's hurting when I breathe. It hurts when I do an exercise. You're like, oh, take your time. It's okay. Well, the next day I woke up because I had a 5K to run. So then I, my dad took care of the kids. I woke up. My heart wasn't hurting anymore. Um, went and did the 5K, left my kids and my dad's, picked them up after I did the 5K, took them to the park. They wanted to go swim at Rexburg Park, and so then I let them swim. We had lunch together. On my way home, my sister-in-law calls me. She's like, where are you? And she's like, I'm like driving back to St. Anthony. I'm leaving Rexburg. And she's like, can you come to my house? I'm like, why? And she's like, we just need you to come. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to their house. I have all the kids. So then I, they saw me that I pulled up in front of their house, and their, and the daughter, their, my niece, 
she comes out and she's like telling the kids, come with me, come with me. And like, where are you taking them? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I'm just going to take them outside in the back. They, they can play on the trap. It's like, my mom's waiting for you to go inside the door. I'm like, okay. So then I go and I knock on the door. And as soon as they open it, his daughter is crying. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, we need to tell you something. And I said, I go, no, you're not going to tell me because I'm going to tell you. I go, he's dead. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, how do you know? And then he's like, because they found him this morning. And his ID and everything is with him. And so it's him. I went to shock. I threw my phone. I just, I wasn't expecting, like, all my hope just died that day. I couldn't believe that he was gone because he promised. And I told his sister, his sister was there, and I said, he can't die because he promised he was going to be home. He's like, that's a promise that he's not going to keep. And I said, he has to because he promised me every day that we talked that he was going to be home. She's like, he's going to break it to you. And I'm like, you're going to just leave me alone right now. I don't want anybody to even touch me. I go, don't. And so that whole day, nobody wanted to, I didn't want anybody to touch me. I couldn't, I didn't want to hug. I didn't want their sorries. I didn't want anything. Because it was something I wasn't expecting because you have your life planned out, your future, your forever. And it just goes away like that. And so that day, it was, it was the day that I found out I was gone. They didn't have to tell me because I saw it in their daughter's eyes. In his daughter's eyes, that he was gone. Dang. Yeah, that... People don't realize that. I mean, I'm even in, like, you know, like, trying to process everything because I know a bunch of people who have came, you know, and they were fortunate enough to make, make it across. And... Like your husband, there's those that who don't make it, you know, and it completely ruins families. That's what I hope the people that are listening actually hear, like how being like saying like to port them, like trying to get people deported, like what it does to families. Um, there's there's some shows like on Netflix too that show you like just a little piece of what goes on in that family, like how it breaks it apart, like just just by getting even just by deporting them mm-hmm. you know like it, it puts a strain on like especially if they're having financial issues like now you have to try to make it work i know you said you were working like and then also trying to be like take care of other kids mm-hmm. i'm sure you had a family who helped you at, mm-hmm. at the time too but that's still hard it's almost like uh being forced to be a single mom just because he can't be there like no matter what he does mm-hmm. so I, I know that was hard, but, like, how did you break it to your kids? I think, I don't I don't think I told them right away. I don't think, I don't know if the family talked to them. Because, like I said, my nine-year-old understood, and I think somebody, I think somebody told her, because it wasn't me until, I didn't tell the kids until the day of the viewing. I mean, they knew he was gone, but they didn't know, no, until the day of the viewing, until... We had that first before the people started coming for the viewing. We had that first um, probably like 10, 15 minutes before the people started coming. And I told them, like, you know, this is 
and we had a closed casket. So, okay, so he was, so he was on, so when he crossed, when they found him, he was on the side of San Diego, on the desert of San Diego. He was still, in the, he was in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I was able to bring him home um, from San Diego to Idaho. And so, um, so the day of the viewing, it was a closed casket. Um, I told the kids this, your papi's here. We had a picture on his casket and they said, today we're going to say bye to him. I go, he's in heaven. And, and, and I, like I said, I think my, just my nine year old at that time, she's 11 now. She understood the three boys. They were still younger. I think they're like, okay, he's in heaven with Jesus. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they really know, no, until they get older. Um, but anyway, they, they said goodbye, and they did cry and stuff. But I don't think it was me telling them. I think it was the family that told them, you know, little by little what happened. Not what happened, but that he was gone. Because I know it wasn't me because I was in shock. I was still in that, trying to get myself together and stuff. And the week of the trying to plan the funeral. And the reason I bring this up, because it planned the day of the funeral, we were planning the funeral my brother, when that when the article came out of the Los Angeles del Desierto, and they said it was another immigrant, immigrant uh, my brother wrote to whoever wrote the article, and his name was Simon Romero. And my brother's like wrote to them and said, you know, he wasn't another immigrant. He was a father. He was a brother. He was a son. He was my sister's husband. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't another immigrant. He was somebody that belonged to someone else. And so my brother calls me. He's like, well, the New York Times want to do a story on you. And I'm like, I'm like trying to plan your funeral. It's like, I know I told him that. He's like, what do you want to do? And so that decision, I couldn't just make it on my own. I had yeah. to tell the family. And the family said, okay, that's fine. And so then we let them. So they came. They flew out. So they were here from ever since the beginning when they found him to um, clear to the end to when we buried him. And... They were here, the reporter, for a whole week when I was trying to get the, trying to get the, because um, they wouldn't release his body mm-hmm. because, like, he had no criminal record, and um, he never went to the dentist to do a, a dental, like, a dental checkup, and then those are really important because if you do pass away like that, they can check on that. Yeah. So they had a hard time, like, so from July 7th when they found until August that's when I, I barely had the the body back because they from the whole that whole time they were trying to figure out that was really him because yeah. they couldn't tell even though he had an ID even though they had um, he's they still had a little bit of fingerprints that mm-hmm. he they were able to match him and um, so I was able so anyway they so the New York Times came say for a week um, they followed me everywhere my work um, the family. My kids took pictures of every little thing. Um, did that ever get annoying? I didn't because I knew they wanted to know where I came from, what my background was, and and knowing what kind of family we were. They were just trying to get. Is that what you were trying? Is that why you agreed to do it? Just so you could see, like, what happens to families? Like, no, we get what? separated. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we did it. Okay. So I had a question back to where they found him i know i'm like going all over the place but what was it that made that was the cause of death um was it dehydration 
we think it was, but they, I thought they don't. They weren't able to tell because his body was still intact, but it wasn't intact. I can't explain that. Like, so I do have I I do have the autopsy, um, and if it, if I look at it, it doesn't it almost says like it is. It's dehydration, but there was still. Um, piece I don't know I don't want to say pieces everything was intact but it was like he was yeah I think it was dehydration he was como secando. yeah because he was in the desert mm-hmm. yeah because that's mainly the, the the biggest cause I think is dehydration just mm-hmm. because they have to carry all the water that they're going to take mm-hmm. and then you you don't take account to like if something happens to your water or uh, did they did they find him with water or just he was just laying like he was like laid in a, if I remember right they were telling me there was like like between some rocks and a tree where there was like kind of shady like shade was, a little bit of hot. shade um, but I don't know if there was water or so because he had so what I got back from them was like his clothes shoes that he wore that day when they found him his backpack that he was carrying that day like I have all that like I I kept all that I still have it and um. What else was there? His ID, his little, he would carry him on a un padrecito, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to guide him, to cuidarlo. So, do you think he got separated from his group? Like maybe no, they almost got caught? Oh, they left him? No, lo dejaron. So, this makes me think, like back when you were talking, when you were getting calls about uh, kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was somebody in that group that knew that he didn't make it? So, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, he didn't he didn't make it. So, like, let me try to make some money off of you. I could have. Because th- w- when you said that, I'm like, okay, well, if he left in a group, where was the group? Like, wh- why is he there? And you know what I mean? Like, so I, I'm thinking in my head how my head's going. I'm like, maybe somebody, El Coyote, or somebody in that group knew who he was. And you're like. I know he didn't make it, mm-hmm. so let me try to scam him. Cause there, there, there's those people who really don't have no like respect for people. You know what I mean? And they'll take advantage of that situation, like mm-hmm. somebody's death, like that. Did that ever cross your mind, or not really? I mean, it, see, like I re- till this day, we won't know exactly what happened yeah. in the story. Say, well, they had him. He just couldn't make it, and you're on his own, and so like you know, you're holding us back. Like I wouldn't, I won't know. Um, I don't, I don't, like, I don't, I don't hate that person. Like, it is what it is. Like, I can't, like, like I tell people, because my perspective of life has changed so much. Since then? Uh-huh. Like, I tell people, yo no estoy aquí para juzgar la gente. Dios me puso aquí para seguir la vida. Mm-hmm. So, if el coyote or that grupo lo dejaron, then it's on them. It's the choice that they made, and Dios lo está viendo. So... If one day I have to see him and, you know, if I do, you know, meet that guy or whatever, you know, I forgive them. I can't, I'm not going to hold that against them. And especially living with that type of, like, anger inside of you. You know what I mean? Like, it could be actually worse for you mm-hmm. just staying mad. But what I've seen, just based off your social medias your, and other people who know you, because I, I talk to a few people and they're like, She's one of the most beautiful women ever. Like, she's helpful. She's inspiring. She's always in a good mood. Like, you never catch her, like, you know, hating life. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's always, like, positive with you. And that explains right now when you're, like, you got a whole 
different like perspective in life now. Yeah, just be- yeah, and I say that because I don't I don't hate the people. I mean, I dislike what certain people do, and one of them, like when I did the New York Times, the the interview, and when I did the Rexburg the Rexburg Journal Standard Journal interview, and when I did um, a TV, it's in a reenactment of Cronicas on Unision, the question, the last question they would ask me was, what do you think about Donald Trump? So it and turned I political said, right away. Yeah. And my answer to that was, he's still our president. I respect him because he is our president. What I don't dislike of him, I go, he needs to find immigration reform. So this doesn't happen to another family. And I go, but I do not hate him because if you guys want me to say I hate him, I don't. I go, he just made, he just needs to make good choices. Yeah, because if you would have said that you hated him, they would have ran with that headline instead of, uh, you know, family man gets separated from their family. You know, things along those lines. Mm -hmm. They'll turn it political right away that way because the media always tries to portray something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, I was able to find uh, the New York Times article. I was trying to look for the video uh, on YouTube, but I was putting it on a bunch of different searches. I don't know. From, it's called, it was named it, dif- wrong? It's called, no, it's called Crónicas La Llamada Que Nunca Llegó. Is that, that's on YouTube too? That's on Univision. Oh, Univision? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to look these up and then I'm also going to link it, like put the links in the description because hopefully somebody goes out there and, and like, uh, you know, take a li- like, look, you know, just so they can see what happened to you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I know you brought some articles and stuff like that. Yeah, just the New York article. Oh, the New York article? Yeah, the New York article and then just the Rexburg Standard newspaper what they did, when they did it because it was front page. Let me see the Rexburg one. Because the New York one is, I'm pretty sure it's the same one that's on their website. It has to be, I think so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty lengthy. It's, yeah, this one? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. this one. So this one was uh, in the Rexburg Standard Journal? Mm-hmm. New York Times tells them they have man's fatal track from Mexico back home. Did they make it political or no? Yeah, they, they, each of them asked me a question about what I oh, thought about Trump. Oh, each one asked? Yeah, what I thought about Trump. And I said, that's what I said. Because that immigration issues have, they've been there. It's been there. Before Trump. Yeah. Yeah, but it was big for him because he passed that law and it, it caused a bunch of stuff. Like the whole kids thing and then them deporting a bunch of people that you know they've been here yeah clean. And, and then also when they uh he took away daca you know and like did things like that that's why a lot of people put all the blame on him but so this is this is a lot <laughs> this is this is a lot but I'm, I'm glad you're able to talk about it just because and i, I really don't talk about it till i people i just don't want them to feel sorry for me because I know I get that. I know people are like, oh, I feel sorry because you have four little ones to take care of and how do you do it and this and that. And I'm just like, I'm good. Like, I've been doing good. It's been hard. I'm not going to say it's not, it hasn't been, but it's been hard. But I keep, I wake up every morning for them because that's, I'm the only person that they have right now and who they count on. And so for them and are my kids, my four little ones that I have still. Yeah, because if, if you just live your life in, like, being depressed, being sad all the time, they're going to pick up on that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then that could lead to other things. But when you're, I know, it, like you said, it's hard, but you have to, like, set that positive example for mm-hmm. them. Be, you know, be there for them. Just because 
they eventually like mold into like what their parents are and especially if you put a bad environment around the kids then bad things can happen from that you, you never know i mean it's it's really hard to say yeah so i'm glad that i was able to bring him home because he is buried in sugar city um did you ever get the surprise that he he oh that, yes it's my my necklace that i have on today oh, because on one of the messages and one of the phone calls he said that i was always going to be his and that's what the present was going to be about and so the day when the brother bought all of our stuff He's like, I, this one's for you. He's like, this little box is for you, and this is from him. And he's like, he knows, he says he, you know something about it. He's like, can you share that? He want, the family wanted to know. I go, well, the, the, I go, what he want. The last time, not the last time that I talked, but the last thing I remember him saying was that I will always, that I will always was going to be his. And he's like, what does that? And I go, yeah, that's what he said. And he's like, can we see? And he's like, yeah. And it was the necklace. What does it say on there? Luna. Luna? Because that's my last name. Yeah. That was his last name. So that's the last thing I got from him. And the gifts for the kids. And they got like the, the stuff that he made and stuff? Yeah, like the watches specially made. Ayan San, Ayan, and San Martin. Uh, those watches handmade from an old guy that still works there since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. He's still there making watches and they're cinto chapeados. They're, um, what are those things called? You put a rock, oh, a slingshot. slingshot. Oh, the slingshot. It's like he, made, he made those for them, for the boys, and a purse for Ebony and the two older girls, their names, and Plata, like mine, but all their names. And what would you say to the the people listening that, what what does this do to like to you? How does it make you feel like? Because what what I tell people like racism like it doesn't happen to Donald Trump, right? Like he he doesn't know how it feels. He doesn't know because it doesn't happen to him. Mm-hmm. Like what would you say to those people? Like what does it do to the family? Like when when things like this happen because it happens thousands of times throughout the year. I guess never judge some family. Like never judge people. Because I've noticed that people do judge. It doesn't matter if you're religion, what color you are. People judge. Mm-hmm. And they don't know what actually is going on with each of the parents or families or kids, you know, when they go to school or when they go to work, you know, what their life is actually about. Like when my story came out, a lot of people that I would see every day at the library didn't know until the story came out. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss, or I didn't know that was you. Are you okay? Or how how are you holding up? You know, people that I would see every day, and, you know, they didn't, like, you know, we say, hi, how are you doing? But when that story came out, they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know it was you, or I didn't know that that happened to you, mm-hmm. you know, that you're going through this. Are you okay? And um, when my story hit Nationwide with New York Times, um, I got letters from people. They would send me money, and mm-hmm. I felt bad because I didn't. I said I'm okay. Yeah. Like I to tell my friends I'm okay. I don't need them to send me money. Like I'm fine. Like yeah, they probably see because of the little the kids now that I'm me and the four kids now and like. But I'm okay. You know, it's been now that it's been two years. It, it's it's been struggling, but I make it every day. Do I plan for a future now? Mm-hmm. I don't. I used to have that. I used to plan. I had my future planned out, mm-hmm. but now I don't. I live day by day, every day. What's gonna happen the next day? Now what's gonna happen next Saturday? No, I don't plan that far anymore. Yeah. Because you never know. 
But I can tell you this, like, you know, life is too short. And so now I live my life, live it. I live it. And I live it for me. I live it for my kids. But I live it mostly for me because I know that um, if I don't, um, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And then I wouldn't take the risks or the chances that I do now because before I didn't. And, um, you know, live your life. Like, life is too short. Um, plan if you need a plan, plan a future, but I can tell you this, like, I don't plan a future anymore. Yeah. Like I don't, cause my future was taking away just and I just like out of nowhere too. Like, yeah. Out of nowhere. And I just, yeah, I, I don't, I just live for my kids. And when I do something that I've never done in my life, a new challenge, I would always say to myself, you know, either I go big or I go home and yeah. I always go big. I always, if it's something that I've never tried, I'll do it. Um, examples like longboarding. I was so scared to get on that, but I did it. I am in a dart league. I play darts now. I'm on a team that I do every Monday now, every season. That's my second season. And Something I've never done, I do it now. I anything that I do, and I make my kids happy. I live for them, and if somebody comes along in my life, then good. And if they don't, then good. I know that it's always going to be me and my kids. Um, but never, never close your heart, but never have hatred either, because if you have hatred, your heart is just poisoned, and you don't want that. And so I don't, like I said, I don't hate anyone, and I may dislike what their decisions are, but I never will ever hate anyone. Life is too short. And I maybe I do have a big heart and maybe people take advantage of that. But like I said, you know, Dios no me puso aquí para juzgar la gente. Mm-hmm. I'm just me puso aquí to live it. And whatever other people decide to do towards me, that's on their choice. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, you've been like I, I see you posting sometimes you you're dancing with your coworkers oh, and like yeah. just having fun like and <laughs> yeah. you would never like I would have never guessed that you went through all that you know what I mean because usually when somebody goes through something like that like a tragic event it, it's nothing but sadness sorrow mm-hmm. like they stop living their life mm-hmm. but you like I know it was hard at first but you you came to realize that I need to I, I can't be like this mm-hmm. you know what I mean so like me, I would have never guessed. You're always dancing. You're always having yeah. fun. You're always with your kids. You're like constantly doing some. They're at their games. Like mm-hmm. you didn't stop life because time doesn't stop. Like and then you you could have uh, spent like so long being sad and all that time was just wasted. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I want to thank you for, for coming and telling your story because that's it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's also like inspirational. Mm-hmm. And you getting that message out to people, so people realize it. Like this whole immigration, like it needs to the immigration needs to reform. Yeah. Just because it's it's destroying families. There's thousands of kids, and and people want to call them jail cells or like, but they're cages. Like you got them locked up, not really being taken care of, and and it sucks to someone who's like Hispanic like us because those are like, I mean we're all we're all human, but that's that's where we come from. Those are like. Hispanic kids, you know, in like Mexico, uh, so it it sucks. I hate seeing it. There's, and it sucks that there's only so much we can do because the the people who can actually make a change, they really don't try. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm talking about like the political. Everything's political. Like they'll change something, but only if they get something else. Mm-hmm. It's never like out of their goodness, at their heart, they're trying to 
I'm going to do this, but I don't, you know, without needing something different. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And just keep being you because you inspire many other people, especially that go through things like this. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. just based what I've seen on your, your, your Instagram, your, your Snapchat, yeah. <laughs> you and what other people told me. Like you're such a like happy person, open. Like you're always you're there for people. You know what I mean. And no one's telling you to do this. Mm-hmm. You're just doing this out of the kindness of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing your 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 dance video. <laughs> I know you, you you used to do a dance class. You and uh, uh, I think it was a lady that you worked with. Uh, she was a like a white lady. Okay. She was taller than you. I don't. Okay. You guys would always do classes and like. <laughs> Most people wouldn't post their like working out dance classes, but you're there, oh, da- you're dancing, yes. you're having fun. Like I, I was yes. watching those videos, I was oh, like, yeah, look, look at her we go. Haven't like, done for a long time. Uh, it's probably because of COVID, huh? It, <laughs> oh, a- no, it, well, kind of. But then we started. We do everything together. We work out together. She's like my best friend, and um, yeah, we like, recently got a new um, trainer. He's a guy, and we're doing it together, and so we're pushing each other and. Yeah, I know what you're talking I get them. I get the library ladies. That's why I call them, like, to dance with me. Like, okay, it's Throwback Thursday. What's going <laughs> to be doing today, you know? And just to be happy because sometimes I see them sad or sometimes I can see them they're stressing and I can feel it. And and I said, you know, and it's like, that's why you keep us on our toes, you know, this and that. And, and I'm always, I guess I am. I am always smiling. Which is good, you know, mm -hmm. it could be the other way around. Just keep doing you because, like I said, there's people watching like myself who sees those Mm -hmm. and didn't actually know what was going on. But how happy you are, like Mm -hmm. doing things like that. Just keep doing that. Like keep that up. Thank you guys for listening. And um, uh, like I said, I'm going to link everything down below. That way they can go and check it out themselves. I'm going to look for the video as well, too. Thank you for being on. And we'll see you guys in the next one. See ya. Nigga, the cops outside. Lock up the house. We keep the team on high. Some golden name out. Nigga, the Porsche outside. What are the top?